Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hey everyone. My name is Mark Coulter. I am one of the pastors at the Valley Troy Church, or Troy campus, and it's great to have you, those who are watching us online, uh, those at our Piqua location who are watching us live right now. Hope you're having a great day, and also those who are going to be listening to this on podcast, whether this week or who knows when in the future. It's great to have all of you. That video you just saw is for our next sermon series that starts next week. It's going to be the whole month of October, and it's the series title is, Is That Really in the Bible? And so each of those four weeks, Different communicators are going to be taking different stories throughout the scriptures that are just crazy. Frankly, some of them are scary, some of them are gross, and some of them are just flat out weird. And unpacking spiritual truth and then life application from those. Things like a tent peg driven through someone's head, uh, talking donkeys, and and, um, much, much more. So you're not going to want to miss that. I would highly encourage you to invite a friend, whether you're joining on site at Piqua or Troy, or whether you're going to be online, uh, invite, invite, invite. Um, I do truly believe it's going to change our lives as we look at Scripture, because Scripture always does as we open it up and allow God to work in and through us. I used to be a youth pastor, uh, and years ago, I had a bunch of teens at this fall retreat, and I come out of the cabin one day, and I see 25 sixth grade boys in this huge pile on the grass, like wrestling, I mean, just a big pile. You can imagine it, visualize this in your head, it doesn't take too much to imagine that, and just as I'm getting ready to just kind of ream them, like, what are you doing? Get up. Uh, as soon as I do that, all of a sudden, I see a grown man come flying out from under the pile, and then like, kind of like Hercules almost, Aah! and boys are just flying and scattering all over the place. And I'm like, uh, you're kidding me. That is my adult chaperone that we brought to to the trip. Joel is his name, and Joel was a sixth grade boys life group leader, uh, and one of the best volunteers I've ever had. Those boys absolutely loved him. It sure did not hurt that Joel, um, part-time, did some UFC fighting. Any boy, especially a sixth grade boy, uh, if he gets to learn or be around someone fighting UFC, that's pretty stinking cool. I always told Joel, just make sure we don't arm bar them too hard or some of those things, because uh, there is liability. But I share that to say that Joel was a phenomenal group leader who took um, the chance of serving. And so I'm going to actually come back to his story a little bit later today um, and unpack kind of what led him to start serving in our middle school ministry. Do any of you want at the end of the day when you're laying in bed to think, man, my life mattered today. I didn't just take some oxygen out of the air. I didn't just go through the motions. I didn't just check in and check out at work or whatever. But my life really mattered. I really made a difference. Well, today, I'm guessing those watching right now would say, yeah, um, I would like that, and I don't know if I have that right now. Well, today, I want to give you a sermon of hope. I hope by the end of today that uh, your factor of meaningfulness of life goes up exponentially. 
We're going to actually look at a topic today called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Uh, and I really truly believe that you want to hang on with me here because I, if you apply what I'm going to talk about today, I do think that you're going to find so much more satisfaction, so much more meaning, and so much more purpose. All three things that I know I want, and I know you do too, in your lives. Well, we're going to dive right into the text, and so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. If you want to follow along, the verses will be on your screen. If you're sitting in your seat there at Pickway, you can pull out your Version Bible app on your phone. Same with those watching online, frankly. Go to events, and then the Valley Church Pickway, the Valley Church Troy. All these verses that I'm going to be reading are, are in there. Or, of course, you can check them out on the screen as I read. We're going to be in chapter 12, as I said, and starting with verse 20 and go through verse 26. So I'm just going to read it all now, and then we'll come back to it uh, throughout the sermon. As it is, there are many parts but one body. This is the Apostle Paul preaching, speaking to the church of Corinth. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. Get this, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored... Every part rejoices with it. See, in this passage, what God is telling us is that God's put a team together. He's put a team together that's called to make the biggest difference. Any team, even some of your sports teams you think make a big difference, especially when they're... No, the team that God has put together is called to make the biggest difference in the world. In fact, he tells us all throughout Scripture, it is so powerful that no opponent can defeat it. And then he also tells us that this team will only function properly, will only work, will only be successful, will only reach its maximum potential if every single person on the team plays their part. That team that God assembled, that Jesus put in order, is called the church. The Apostle Paul here in this passage in 1 Corinthians calls it the body of Christ refers to it as the body of Christ. The body is the only team, get this, God has one team in this world, and the body of Christ, the church, is his only team. God designed the church to function like a team. I don't know if you ever realized it or not. In fact, then he says that there's a common goal. Every member on this team has one common goal, and it's to advance his kingdom. We just got talking about a series on the kingdom of God. If you missed that or didn't miss one week of it, I would so encourage you to go to our Valley Facebook page and, and YouTube channel, same with the Valley Troy. Go check those out. We talked about what it is his kingdom, what happens when we allow his kingdom to invade here on earth, what happens when we allow his kingdom to rule inside of us. And then he gets to tell us, we get to be a part of this, and that his church is the most powerful force on earth to see his kingdom come and his will be done to make a difference. I remember going to uh, high school basketball games in my hometown growing up when I was a little kid, and just looking out there on the court and seeing those big guys running up and down the court and shoot and make threes and foul shots and defense and rebound, block shots, all kind of stuff. 
And I always, as a little kid, was like, man, I would love to be on that team. How awesome would that be to be? It'd be so much fun. It'd be so incredible. It's so, such an experience to be on that team. Well, here's the good news about God's team. You're on his team. He says that if you're a follower of his, you are on his team. Now, when Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, this church was messed up. Uh, We think sometimes we have problems in our churches today, and I'm sure we do, but they were really, really messed up. I mean, you can read 1 Corinthians for yourself. I mean, it talks about there was rivalry, there was envy, there was jealousy, there was division, there was sexual misconduct, and that's only about the first six chapters. He's talking to a, a place that's really out of sorts, and then on top of that, They've no longer started to function or continue to function as a team. They've become individualistic. They haven't been uh, playing their part. They've all too many sitting on the sidelines. And so he writes this to address their problems. And he writes this passage we looked at today to address that specific problem that they no longer were properly functioning as a team. Notice what he says here in verse 27 of the 12th chapter that I just read, of the 27th verse, the one after where I finished. It says, together... Notice that word. Together we are the body of Christ, and each of you has a part of it. I mean, there's no mistake that he chose that word on purpose. Together, in other words, as a team, all together, not this silo, not this silo, not this person sitting on the bench, but together, all of us going together. It's actually one of the things I I love about Little League Baseball. I grew up near Williamsport, about an hour and a half or so from the Little League mecca of the world, if you will. Little League Baseball has a role that every kid must play. At least, I think it's one at bat or an inning on the field or some combination thereof. And I love that. At that age, they definitely should. But as they get older and they get into high school, there's, you know, different, different things and different kids will play. The ones who, you know, produce, that's just how it is, right? They, they're going to get more playing time. You get advanced beyond high, high school and you get to play at the next level. It's even more. I mean, not everyone's going to get to play. You know, doesn't make everyone happy. Well, here's the good news about the church, the way God designed it. It's just like a little league baseball in that sense. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to participate. In fact, he calls the the position that you have a ministry. It's an area of ministry. It's your area that you get to serve. It's serving that you get to give your time away and your energy away and your talents away and your gifts away and your abilities away. Is that not the coolest thing in the world, that God designed it this way, that everyone is to play some part In fact, you'll see this. This is one of my big ideas for today. Christianity is not a what? You can say it out loud wherever you're seated, whether you're in a seat in the auditorium at Pickwar or if you're watching online or listening to the podcast. This is not a spectator sport. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is for participants only. All throughout the scripture, you don't see that sideline and Christianity go together. We are called to participate. We are called to be in the action. How do I know that? I didn't just come up with that on my own. The second part of verse 27 says this, each of you or each one of you in some translations is a part of the body. Just two of you, just those who are talented, just those who can preach, just those who can, no. What's it say again? How many of you? Each 
one of you. In other words, each of us has a position on the team. We have a ministry area that we are to play a part. The body will not function properly if, not, if every part or every person is not doing their role. There's a common misconception that, well, this is the pastor's job. This is what pastors do. Um, we kind of have a terrible time shaking that, and to be honest with you, the biggest ones to blame for this misconception are pastors, whether it's pride or whether it's lack of delegation or empowerment or you know, the ability to delegate, whatever the case might be, we think that everything or act like maybe everything comes back on us, and that's just not right. <laughs> it's not scriptural. The Bible tells us very clear that ministry is for every follower of Jesus Christ, period. Every follower of Jesus Christ. Speaking of pastors and maybe not getting it right all the time, I came across this humorous thing. You know you're failing as a pastor. You know you're failing as a pastor when you call the groom by the bride's former boyfriend's name. Never done that. Gotten a kid's name wrong on a child dedication, but not that. You forget to turn off the wireless microphone while using the restroom. You know you're failing as a pastor when the church begins exploring the possibilities of a missionary trip for you to Iraq. You know you're failing as a pastor when the band begins to play while you're preaching. And you know you're failing as a pastor when the church votes to make your day off on Sunday, as you would guess it. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this, Christ gave some to be pastors and teachers, this is huge, to prepare God's people for works of service. Here's the translation of this in Mark's term. The people are the ministers, the pastors are the ministers. Okay, Get, I'm going to say that again. The people are the ministers, the pastors are the administers. The ministry of our church staff, I tell our team this all the time, our pastoral staff and those in lead, our job is to identify, recruit, train, disciple, release, empower, right? All those things. That's what the role of ministry, it's what Ephesians tells us, Paul tells us, when he sets kind of the guidelines throughout scripture, they set kind of the, the guidelines for ecclesia or a church, which means a gathering, okay? A gathering of people or an assembly, you know, they start, there's some different requirements, and this is one of them, that those who he calls to be pastors and teachers, their job is to prepare people to own ministry, to own it, to use the gifting that they have, whatever that gifting might be, mercy, teaching, administration, helps, etc. There's There's several dozen throughout scripture. Why do you use them? to help other people that I'll get to in a second. But to do this, folks, to really be part of God's team, to really be what he calls us to be as the local church and you individually as a follower of Christ to use your gifts to serve the body, we have to take on the same approach that Jesus did, and it says here in Mark 10, 45. He said this, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came not to be served. And this is Jesus, right? All authority, guy was with, who was with God creating the earth. I mean, right, we know. He says this, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve other people. I got thinking about that. 
I started to personalize it. I'm going, to pers- I'm going to project that onto you as you're listening and watching today. I asked a couple questions. I'll ask them to you. I asked them to myself. Did you walk in here today or did you walk wherever you're, whether you're doing the valley at home or listening online, did you walk in thinking about someone other than yourself? Did you think about showing love to someone else in the room, if you're in a room today or in your at home or wherever you're gathering? Did you think about showing love to someone else in the room today? I think it's so easy when we gather as the body of Christ, whether we're gathering remotely or in person, to lose focus that it's all about other people. Yeah, God's so cool that he's going to speak to you today and he's going to show something new to you. And I think he's going to change your life. That's always my expectation anytime the word of God's taught. But did you come in today, did you tune in today thinking about someone else? In other words, when you walk in, say you're in, 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 in Pickle right now and say you're watching with other people around you. Have you thought about today that maybe God's asking you to pray for with someone else, or to have a conversation with someone else and ask them, like, how's your week really been? And then I always caveat, and no lying aloud, <laughs> right? Do we, do we look at that that way? Do we look at when we show up to gather? When you gather today, are you hosting a watch party, or are you just kind of consuming each week by yourself? See, we, start at the, we have to get real about this. Why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. I came to help other people. I came to make a difference in their life. I came, and God's given me this, and he's telling you he's given you these gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. Here's what I've learned about me, and I think probably about society in general. We're never going to be happy if you don't think about others. You show me the happiest people in the world, it's not because they have the most money, they usually have the least amount, frankly. It's not because they have the best, most talents or anything like that. The happiest people in this world, and you know them, are those who serve. The, the, every day when they get up is like, how can I make someone's life better today? Who today, God, do you want to send across my path who needs a word of encouragement, who needs a help, me to help them with something, who needs a, a, a uh, something from Scripture, a verse from Scripture to, to challenge them or to, to move them forward on their faith journey. The happiest people in this world, and you know it, whether you believe in Jesus today, whether you believe in, you think I'm crazy, whether you think the Bible is whatever, you would have to agree with the statement. The happiest people are those who serve other people. I remember when I was attending a church, when I was still a teacher, the greeting team at that church was so well trained to look for people to minister to. They weren't just there, and part of their job obviously was to greet and smile and to help people find places and meet new people and get them connected. But they looked at their job as ministry. Like, who could I help today? And I remember one time in a service, I was sitting in the very back, and they, the, the call to action that day was, if you need someone to pray with you, just slip your hand up. We're not going to come forward today. We're just going to, do you need prayer? Just slip your hand up. And I did. I remember what was going on, but I just needed someone to pray with. And so I slipped my hand up. And who do you think came to pray with me? One of the greeters, one of the ushers. Why? Because he showed up every Sunday, not looking about how he could be served, but how he could serve other people, how he could use the gifts that he had to make a difference 
in someone else's life. You see, I think some of us think that we are just consumers of religious goods and services that the church offers. We might not say this out loud, but when we don't think about how we can help other people, we really are saying, I want fed, I want comforted, I want loved, counsel me, teach me, do all the, you know, it's, it's, it's just me, me, me. I call it navel gazing, where we're so locked in ourselves, we wouldn't even, you know, it's, you know, we would just walk down the road and bang right into a post if we weren't careful. See, once you and I take on that mentality that it's about what I can get out of it, it's how I can be blessed, it's how this speaks to me or whatever, it's going to keep us from playing on God's team, right? It's just going to be natural. We're not going to want to play on his team because we're too focused on other things to think about other people to be able to do that. In fact, a test, you want to give yourself a test? I give myself this test often because I'm just like anyone. I can become very uh, self-centered in my prayer life and frankly, my whole life. I can become so focused on what I need and what I want and what I want to get out of something but a mature follower of Jesus asks these two questions, or asks this question. Instead of saying, who will meet my needs, they start asking, whose needs can I meet? Instead of asking, who can meet my needs, we start asking, whose needs can I meet? My wife, Jessica, shares about this quite frequently about what she calls her church moms. Her church moms growing up were her life group leaders in middle school and in high school. One of the coolest things that she got to experience that when I, we were youth pastors, we um, created that same culture, and we want to see that at the Valley Church, frankly, within our youth ministry, is seeing volunteers who stay with kids. I'm talking about they're their group leader when they're in sixth grade, and they go up with them to seventh grade and up to eighth grade. Could you imagine? I know some really love the middle schoolers and just want to stay there, and that's perfectly fine. And some really connect with high schoolers, and that's perfectly fine too. But we need some who are just going to say, you know, I'm going to take a seven-year journey. Parents, how awesome would it be? Would any of you say, no, I don't want another godly influence in my kid's life for seven years? (laughs) Of course you wouldn't. You'd be like, yes, man, if I could have someone investing in my child and just walking with them, because there's times, we all know this as teenagers, where even if we have a healthy relationship with our parents, we don't want to talk to our parents about whatever. We need someone else that we feel just more comfortable doing that. And Jessica calls them her church moms. Even to this day, she has two or three Ladies, you know, Jess is now, I'm not going to say her age, I'd be just stupid and I try not to do stupid things too often, but she, she has, um, in her, you know, she's in her 30s. Uh, she has these um, church moms who are, you know, 15, 20 years older or so that she'll still reach out to from time to time to share uh, or just process things with, even though she has an incredibly healthy uh, relationship with her own mom. Those are, those are women who said when they showed up at church on every uh, Sunday, whether it was every week or every other week that they served as a life group leader for her, it's not about what I can get today. It's about the gifts that God has given me, he's entrusted me with, and I'm part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ says that everyone plays a part, there is no one on the sideline, everyone participates, and how can I help someone else today? Is that not incredible or what? And I'm telling you, there's not much greater feeling in the world Here's the deal. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. 
That's what I started out by talking about today. Who doesn't want to make a difference? Who doesn't want to lay down at the end of the night and say, well, I didn't make any difference today? And definitely, who wants to look at the end of their life and say, I didn't make a difference? I don't think any of us do. Back to verses 21 and 22, he said, Paul said this, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. <laughs> and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What would happen if the kidney, your kidney today just said, you know what, I'm tired of doing my job. It's been a tough year. 2020 has been kind of messy. I'm just going to take the rest of the year off. Yeah, okay, right? You get my point, right? Everyone has a role to play. Every single part of the body has a role to play. In God's kingdom, in God's church, in God's body, there are no little people. There's no, I'm going to say this very slowly, there are no insignificant ministries. There are no insignificant ministries. Everyone can make a difference if they so choose. Back to Joel, the guy I opened up with today, incredible Hulk coming out of the pile. We used to do these ministry partner orientations. If you showed interest in serving in youth ministry, come to one of these. We'll share, you know, vision, um, background check, just, you know, all the different serving areas, etc. And so we were making a big push for it. Uh, and Joel shows up at one. Joel goes through the training, um, comes and starts shouting with us. And then he realizes when he, actually when he shows up the shadow, he thought the training he went to or had signed up for, I should say, was for life group leaders. Now, obviously, during the training, he figured out it was otherwise, but he's like, I'm here anyhow, so I might as well continue with it. Shows, shows up to be, uh, to shadow in our, in our middle school ministry, ends up deciding, hey, like, I think I'd like just to, to be a mentor to these sixth grade boys and be one of their group leaders. I think at that time, no joke, we had like 35 sixth grade boys in the ministry. And then Joel started seeing that this is what God had called him to for this season. This was a gifting that he had given him. This is that SHAPE acronym, if you're familiar with it, spiritual gifts, heart, passion, abilities, personality, and experiences. He was wired to do this. And he told me, I remember one day, he told me, he said, this is the most satisfying thing I've ever done. He goes, I've in I lead in different things in, throughout the church. And he said, Frankly, there was a pride issue going on where I wanted to be in some stuff. He said, I wanted to be in some stuff where I would come up on the stage and they would recognize me. He goes, um, in middle school ministry, there is no recognition. <laughs> there is no big stage time. There are no kids coming up to him. Those, those sixth grade boys would not come up to him after every week that he opened up the Bible and he shared his life and say, Joel, thank you so much for changing my life today. <laughs> I mean, they were pinching each other and making noises and doing whatever sixth grade boys tend to do, which is not immediately express gratitude. Joel said he was available. And it, he, and it really then clicked for him that it, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about any glorification. It wasn't about any adulation for him. It was all about to God be the glory through the gifting that Joel had to make a difference in those boys' lives. And those boys now are in their 20s, and many of them serving the Lord. The greatness of a church is not measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. Not by how many people are in the seats, but it's by how many people are participating 
in ministry. How many people are in the game? According to a Gallup poll, 40% of church attenders said they would serve in an area if someone would just ask them. I love that stat, because guess what's coming? (laughs) We're going to ask you today, would you get in the game? Would you serve and be part of the body of Christ? Would you suit up? See, this is what I want you to understand. God, and he's the one who counts, not me, God expects everyone to make a difference. If you're a follower of his and you're not participating in the body of Christ by serving, by using the gifts that he's given you, that does not make God happy. You can get mad at me, that's fine, take it up with God because I'm just his messenger. I'm just sharing what he says, that he says each of us has been given gifts. How do we have the gifts? Because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of his. It's the Holy Spirit living and working inside of you. Here's the reality. The Valley Church needs you. <laughs> Maybe more than ever, frankly. There's, we're doing so many different things from on-site to online to at home. The Valley Church cannot have anyone on the sideline. We never could. We can't anymore. It's as clear as that. Each of you is indispensable. Here's the truth. If one of you, this is what's so startling from reading this passage. If one of you chooses to not participate, if just one of you chooses not to get in the game, this local expression of the body of Christ will play with a limp. It's like turf. You ever, you ever like tear a, a fingernail and realize that it affects your whole body, like it hurts, or tear a toenail or, or stub a toe or, or whatever? Every single part is vitally important. The Valley Church will never realize its full potential until everyone gets on the field. It's so crystal clear. We will always be missing out. And here's the, here's the thing. That I'm not even, it's not even about the corporate, the big, big valley church. There's going to be kids missing out. There's going to be teenagers missing out. There's going to be new guests who come in the door. There's going to be people who, who are around the coffee bar talking and, and they have someone they, that get, they get talked to that had some of the same life experiences and they find hope that they thought they were in just permanent despair. And the list goes on and on. The only way we can be healthy is if each person does their part. Man, the Bible just whacks you sometimes and it's so crystal clear in this passage. I think we all know what it's like to uh, just give you a very common metaphor. I think a lot of you have probably run into. We all know what it's like to get to the end of a puzzle and then have what? That one piece that's missing. I don't know about you, but every time that happens, I'm incredibly frustrated. Why? Because it's like, I'm so close. We have so much going on. And that one piece, you don't focus on all the other pieces that are working well. You focus on the piece that's missing, and it drives you absolutely insane. And I think that's probably a decent metaphor. Because when that one piece is missing, that puzzle's incomplete. When that one person is not using the gifts that God's given them, the picture is incomplete. The church is incomplete. The Valley Church will never reach its potential. I'm going to wrap up with this. I've got about three minutes left. If you're sitting at the Valley Church right now, you'll see on your seat when you came in a serving card that looks like this. If you're watching online with us today, 
Uh, our hosts uh, will be um, sharing the different things. I don't know if they'll be able to share you this digital card, uh, but they're going to talk about the different serving opportunities that exist. I'm going to say the, a lot of these out loud here in just a second. If you are serving, uh, excuse me, joining us online today, um, you can let us know of an interest in serving by just replying and chatting with your host. You can go, and all of you can do this, frankly, whether you're at Pickwell right now or if you're online, you can go to the Valley Church app, go to Community Life, Valley Church app, Community Life, go to Serving, and then you're going to see a digital card that will take you three minutes max to complete to send in. Here's, I'm going to run through some different things, because here's the deal. We need you all. <laughs> the Bible is very clear that you're in disobedience, frankly, if you're not using your gifts in the local body. This isn't a marked thing, oh, we need volunteers. This is a, I want you to be obedient to Jesus. On here, Valley Kids. I mean, we are huge in the next generation. A third or so of our church is 18 years of age or younger. Different kids' opportunities, check-in, nursery, preschool, elementary, First impressions, what an incredible opportunity. How many of you are here today because someone smiled when you came? I hear that all the time, or someone was welcome, or someone was friendly, or someone connected you to someone else. That only happens if we have people on those teams. You're only going to get as many people connected as you have connectors, common sense. Tech team, I mean, this, the video, the, the things you're, the, that you're seeing, that's because someone's using their gifts to help you. It's not magically appearing. Even the slides on the screen, people taping me right now. I mean, all those things don't happen unless people step up. If one piece is missing, we're in trouble. There's things missing on this. I only could, had space for so many things. Youth ministry, definitely need people. I, I had several illustrations from youth ministry today. Card senders, I'm talking now to our online folks. You're like, well, I'm online. no. You're not off the hook, okay? We need online hosts. We need other people, not just the same people every week interacting with people. We want to rebroadcast even more so more people can be reached, which means we need more hosts. We need people to send cards to people who are hurting. We need um, life group leaders. Some of you, we need more online life group leaders. We have different online groups that are reaching lots of people. Guess how many people we can reach online? Like million, two million? I don't know. I'm guessing we're going to need a few life group leaders if we're going to start reaching millions of people. You get my drift. Would you take that step? If you're watching at Pickle right now and you have that physical card in front of you, would you fill it out? Just because what you put on there today, we have one of these things, we say it's not till death do we part. And if you go serve in that area and you're like, wow, I would rather like lay down in traffic than do this, we're not going to make you stay in there. We want you to find a great fit. But the key is this. I was going to have like do a thing of, of spiritual gift uh, inventory and have you figure out your spiritual gifts and, and all that kind of stuff, which is fun, which is great. But then, you know, it finally, in some stuff I was reading and just kind of God spoke to me, I said, no, that's not what we need to do. People can do that every day of the week, and then they, but if you don't do anything about it, who cares? People need to just take a step. I firmly believe that God's really big, <laughs> and if you box yourself in and say, well, I can only teach, I only have the gift of mercy, and then opportunities come along, especially in this season where there's so many things that are different that doesn't fit your gift, I think God's big enough to empower you with a gifting for a season, or for a longer period of time. The bigger deal is that as a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit working within you. And the Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the grave, so I don't think he's going to have a problem empowering you with something that maybe you didn't think you had at your disposal.
Here's my last things. You have a choice. I have a choice. We can be observers or servers. You can move, move out of the comfort zone of the bench into the courageous zone of the playing field. Would you be willing to move from consumers to contributors? I like to end with dreaming a little bit. What if everyone today said, I'm in? What if? What if everyone, what if numerous people today said, I'm going to sign up to, to serve in our kids' ministry. I'm going to serve online. I'm going to be an online life group leader. I'm going to serve on the card centers. I'm going to serve in our youth ministry. I'm going to serve. Can you imagine? Just dream with me. Can you imagine the number of kids that will be, that will be impacted for all of eternity? Possibly generations will be changed. Same with teenagers. Can you imagine that single mom who shows up on a Sunday morning and she's just beaten up? She is so tired. She's so worn out. She's so exasperated. And someone says, hey, need a cup of coffee. Hey, you know what? just smiling. Hey, would you, here's someone. Would you like to get to know them? And it gives her hope. And then she comes back. Or someone who's watching online today, and because you're a host and you're interacting with them, they open up. You start to build a relationship. You start to connect and, they, and you start to see hope, and you start to see purpose that they've never seen before. See, that's when I said, we're going to be only as healthy as how many people get, on, get in the field, get, on the game, get in the game. Don't leave today without taking a step. I'm telling you, not only will you never experience what God wants you to do, but people are going to miss out, I firmly believe that, if you don't take action. You can drop those cards if you're at PICWA. You can drop them after the service and the joy boxes. Of course, anyone can fill out the app online. Would you? Would you just be obedient? Ask the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this isn't about beating anyone up by any stretch of the imagination. God, this is about wanting to see people realize their full potential. God, you designed the church the way you designed it because you know best. And you know that when everyone in the body of Christ plays a role, that the body of Christ functions as you designed it to be. So God, reveal to each of us where it is that we're to take that step. Or God, just frankly prompt us to circle something or to put something in or say, I'm not sure, but I'm willing. I'm not sure, but I'm going to be like Joel and I'm just going to step out there. I'm not sure, but I'm going to be like that usher and I'm going to, I'm going to pray with someone. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm going to step up like those church moms because I, I know that I can offer something to someone else. God, thank you for meeting us here today. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, always a pleasure to be with you. Continue to stay in touch with us through Facebook, YouTube, online, uh, through our app, Instagram. We are all over the place. Uh, share, share, share with your people, with your friends, with your family. And then join us back here next week as we launch this new series entitled, Is That Really in the Bible? Hey, be blessed. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. 
To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend because change lives, change lives.